Welcome to Create Your Own Light, where we harness our past, we embrace our future, and learn to conquer the roadblocks along the way together. I'm your host, Travis Howes. Let's get on with it. This episode is brought to you by YourWelder.com. YourWelder.com is an online directory of mobile welders. Whether at your home or at your industrial processing plant, we come to you. Our community of mobile welders can repair anything from the neighbor's mailbox that you just backed into or the cat bulldozer sitting on your job site. YourWelder.com is a directory of highly skilled professionals willing to help you on your job site on your timetable. YourWelder.com screens all of their welders using tools like photos from social media apps such as Instagram, Parler, and Facebook, even face-to-face meetups. YourWelder.com was built by actual industry welding experts who actually perform this type of work on a daily basis. And here's the best part. They're veteran-owned and operated. So go check them out at YourWelder.com. And also feel free to check them out on social media where I'll include their links in the show notes. Good Monday morning, everybody. Hope y'all had a hope y'all had a uh, a good weekend. Hope it wasn't. Um, I hope your heart rates weren't elevated too much, and you were able to relax. And not not that I'm the guy that can give you advice on how to relax, because I'm gonna talk about <laughs> about that today a little bit. But hope you were able to spend time with people you love and and do things that that uh, that are important to you. Um, I just got back last night, uh, late last night. I just got back from Orlando where I was down there talking with um, fire instructors from Reedy Creek Fire Department. That's the fire department that services the Disney Resort area. And I, was, um, I wasn't I was teaching my course post-traumatic purpose. I was more or less um, talking for a little while about post-traumatic purpose and leadership and stuff like that. So it was, it was, a, it was a different experience. It was nice to just go in and, and like kick back a little bit with them and um, I still shared a lot of the, the, the hard hitting points from, from the course that I teach, but it was a, a nice intimate conversation, if you will. And, uh, got to, got to meet some very, very talented firefighters. So that's, that's the cool part about what I do. I love more than anything getting around this country and getting to meet the men and women who are out there still doing it. And I was telling them when you're, when you're on the job, when I was on the job, it didn't feel that big, right? I was, I mean, I was in a decent sized city. I wasn't in a FDNY or a LA fire department, but you know, we had 300 plus firefighters and we were running out of 20 stations, something like that. And, uh, it, it was a decent sized job, but what I guess what I'm getting at is you don't realize the size of the entire fire service really when you're, when you're on the job and maybe, maybe it's just because we didn't have social media or whatnot, but now that I get to travel around and really, talk to firefighters in all kinds of jurisdictions and police and police officers and paramedics. And it's, you really realize how big the emergency services is. And it's, it's honestly, it's quite overwhelming um, at the size of it. The reason that, that I I say all this is because I, I got an interesting question yesterday from one of the firefighters after we were done, you know, I do a Q and a every time I go speak somewhere. And uh, one of the firefighters asked, he says, well, how, what are you noticing since you get to travel all around? What are you noticing throughout the emergency services as far as mental wellness goes? Are, are most departments being proactive? He said, are they, are they being reactive or some and not doing anything? And I was like, man, you honestly just answered the question. I see all sides of it. I see very reactive departments. They're kind of just teetering on the cusp of, uh, I don't know if this is really that serious. And then some departments, man, they are throwing everything they have at getting as much information for their employees um, as they can. And then some departments don't even feel like mental health is a problem, which is funny to me because, fuck, it's overwhelming at how how much we've been missing out on. I, I, I do this portion in my class where I talk about... Um, the, the stuff that we train on and the stuff that we're never going to use. And then the one thing that we use every day, mental health, and even on our days off, we don't even, we don't even fucking talk about it. And that's, that's kind of the ridiculous side of it, but I'm super proud that Reedy Creek brought me in and, uh, that that's leadership at its finest. That's leadership, creating resources for their people. And I talk about that, you know, leaders, you don't have to wear, uh, a rank insignia to be identified as a leader. What you need to do if you have 
people that depend on you. It's find resources for people. It's no different than being a father or a mother. You find resources for your children. You find resources for your family for the betterment of everyone. And that's what leaders do. You know, you don't have to be a frontline worker to be a leader. You can be a leader working anywhere, but as long as you're moving forward and you're trying to help other people that are around you and you're doing it in a, from a good place, not from a, Hey, look at me kind of place. That's what it's all about. I'm going to go on the record though. And I'm going to, I'm going to say, man, I, I, if I have one more motherfucker tell me how tired I look, <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. So two times in this last week, it is both. So just two, two, two funny stories at a gas stations while I was traveling, I had two different people tell me, man, you look tired and there's no worse backhanded compliment to tell somebody they look like shit. I'd rather you tell me, Hey man, you look like shit and you need to go rest versus man. You look tired. Like that's just a, I don't know. That's a kick in the balls to me. Um, especially when you don't, you don't think you look tired. And I guess when everybody else starts noticing it, um, so then I, as soon as this guy told me this, I was at Subway and I walked outside and I flipped the visor down. I started looking in the mirror. I was like, damn, dude, you, you, you are looking rough, but it really didn't set in until somebody said something. Then on two different occasions, I was asked, am I a truck driver? And I was like, motherfucker, I'm not a truck driver. Like, what about me? Like, do I look like a truck driver? I don't know what truck drivers look like, but I just thought it was funny. I've never been asked in my life. If I was a truck driver, but two times this week when I was traveling and stopping for food and gas and all that, I was asked if I was a truck driver. And so now apparently I'm a truck driver and I'm tired and I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest with y'all. Like this is me. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm look, I'm putting bullshit aside. I'm fucking exhausted. I don't, I've been tired before I've been exhausted, but I'm, I'm recording right now. It's on, it's noon. I've had two cups of coffee today and I could go into bed right now and I know what it's from. It's it's from my nonstop lifestyle. And this isn't me complaining, but I want to paint a picture of exactly what I do. So I know there's a lot of people out there that do a lot for themselves and their families and people around them. And this is the result of that. And the result of you never taking care of you is about is what I'm about to tell you. <clears throat> When I started teaching post-traumatic purpose, when I really started booking dates, I told everybody, I'm going to find balance. I'm going to find this balance in life. Let me tell you something. I've already fucked that up because as pure as my intentions were on finding balance, I couldn't have been any further off. And the reason is in our business, we're helpers. We want to help as many people as we possibly can. That's just the way that we're wired. So when somebody comes to me and they want to do an event, and they can they can make it happen, and they're not just bullshitting because you do get a lot of a lot of people that will reach out to you, and you, and they they I don't know they just they're not serious, but but a lot of them are. So the ones that are, we make it happen, okay. And I never turn it down, and I push dates out as far as I can. I'm booking into 2024 right now, 2023, but still there's people like hey we we need it next month or the month after, and that's fine and good. I'm never going to say no because my feeling is this: if I were to say no. And not show up to an event because I was tired. I was run down. There's somebody that could have benefited from that message. Okay. And what happens if they don't hear something they needed to hear? I'm not saying that I'm the cure all, but I remember what it was like when I was clawing for answers and I was clawing, trying to find anybody that I could relate to and I couldn't find it. And I was so desperate that I just wanted out of this life. And I'm afraid that's what would happen. And so I can't say no. It's like a firefighter in, in, in bed in the middle of the night when the bell goes off. Yeah, you're fucking tired. Yeah, you're fucking exhausted. Yeah, you worked your ass off all day. But guess what? You got to go. You got to strap up your boots. I almost said put on your strap on. <laughs> um, Blazik, that's for you. You got to put on your strap on. You got to strap on your boots and go to work. No matter how tired you are. Because people need you. People depend on you. This is what you do. And this is what I do. So I'm going to do it come hell or high water, exhausted or not. I'm going to keep pressing. And this is this is why I'm exhausted. It's not as much of um, the teaching the courses. Now teaching courses is hard because it's emotional. I'm I'm reliving a lot of a, a lot of things and I thought as time went on it would get easier 
you know, cause people, people ask, I have younger folks underneath me that, that they want to get into teaching and all this, and they want to share their story. And they ask, man, does it get easier? And the question is, I don't know. I don't, I, sometimes it's, I feel like sometimes it's not as emotional. And then sometimes I'll get gut punched when I'm up there and I'll, I'll think back on a moment and it makes me cry and, and I can't control that. And it's, you just never know. Um, I think it's always been easy for me to be in front of people and, and talking because of the entertainment that I used to do. Um, but I'll tell you what gets me is the travel and it's the, I, I had to pull over to the side of the road yesterday. I had a scheduled therapy appointment and I had to do a FaceTime uh, therapy appointment with my therapist. And, uh, we were talking about guilt and shame and, you know, she listens to some of my stuff and she's like, well, what kind of guilt are you carrying right now? And I was like, you know, I travel so much. Every time I leave my kids, you know, that I can see the disappointment in their face. Like I literally see it and I feel it and they, and they, they get upset and they ask me, daddy, why do you always have to go? And they don't understand the concept of bills. They don't understand the concept of money. They don't understand the concept of being passionate about something that you put in front of everybody else. And that's what this is. It's uh, there's a passion there that I have that comes before everybody. And it's unfortunate because, you know, we, we preach in, in the emergency services, your family comes first, your family comes first, your family comes first. But unfortunately, a lot of times they come second because the profession that we choose, we're so involved in it. We're so invested in it and we, and we believe in it so much that we put everybody else on the back burner and that becomes habitual and it becomes normal. And then over time we grow sour towards everybody. And, I, I then we're just in constant turmoil. Um, that's kind of where I am. It's uh, not turmoil, but it's she, when she asked me yesterday, what do you feel guilty about? I was honest. I said, I feel guilty. I feel like I'm always abandoning, abandoning my family. And, uh, I know this is something I need to do, not just for other people, but for me. And, uh, I feel guilty for it. I carry a lot of that guilt. I've carried guilt my whole life in different forms. And I know a lot of us carry guilt. And I want to ask you, is there, is there something that you feel guilty about in your day-to-day life? Is there something that you carry with you? And if you could just unpack it and, and stick it away forever, would that make your load lighter? Would that help you through your days and be able to like have a, have a more clear conscience uh, as you navigate your days? And, you know, I started, I started getting into that and I told her, I was like, you know, my schedule is so busy when, when I'm on the road, like when I'm in full travel mode, let me give you an, for instance. So last week I had an 18 hour travel day to get to the place I was going to in Missouri when everybody's like, why don't you fly more? Why don't you? And this is fucking why I don't fly. Cause I flying sucks. Most people that don't never like lived their life in airports. They don't understand. They, they get to go on a vacation and they usually do one trip a year, if that or two, and they go to their destination. They can get a direct flight. Sometimes it works out that way with what I do. It's not like that. You got to get up at four in the morning. You got to be at the airport at five. You got to wait in fucking TSA and get in line, but to get your flight by eight and then you're being herded through like sheep, being told what to do, pull your fucking mask up and this and that. And I'm not one for taking directions. And then when you get to Dallas, like I did when I was going to Missouri, you have an eight fucking hour layover, right? A lot of times I don't get to pick the best flights because the timelines don't work out because I'll be speaking early the next morning. And when the flight puts me in at midnight, you got to You got to allow for, um, delays, cancellations. So I always travel in a day early, um, to get there. And sometimes you just can't pick the best flights. So this flight in particular is an eight hour layover in Dallas. I get to Dallas, um, finally get on my plane. We, we end up getting into Missouri late. Then I got an hour and a half drive North to where I go. I go, I perform, not perform, excuse me. That night we did post-traumatic purpose course. We do post-traumatic purpose, which is exhausting. All right. You get back in a rental car the next day, drive an hour and a half South. And then you got a comedy event for a big conference, a CIT conference that was in, um, Columbia, Missouri. And then after that, the next morning you have another post-traumatic purpose course, which is exhausting. I remember that day I finished around noon. I I closed out the conference and, uh, 
I had the worst migraine. The problem is when I go on stage, I can't eat before I go on stage because years ago I was doing a show in Mesquite, Nevada in a casino and they handed us, uh, they handed me and my opener buffet passes and we went and we got fat on the buffet and I literally passed out in the green room on the couch and I was drooling because I had so many mashed potatoes and, and fried chicken legs that I was in a coma and they were announcing me to come to the stage and the opener runs back and he's shaking me. And he's like, dude, you're, you're up, you're up, you're up. And I walk out there and I felt like I was in a dream. Like I had drool on the side of my face. So I don't like to eat because I'm an overeater. Anyway, long story short, I didn't eat before I went on. I had this horrible migraine at noon. I go to bed. I sleep until seven o'clock at night. So now I'm up all fucking night the night before my next flight the out the next morning. Five in the morning, I'm up. I'm on an hour and a half trip south to the airport. I get into the airport. I get there. I fly to um, uh, Chicago. I get to Chicago. We got like a two-hour layover. The plane that we were getting on had an electrical problem. We had to get off. Then we got to get on a new plane. They didn't fuel up that plane. So now we're sitting on the plane. It takes an hour and a half for them to get fuel to it. We finally take off. We get home. Anyway, long story short, that day was a 16-hour travel day. Now, Fast forward a couple of days, I'm back at my ranch, I got some shit to do, and then I got family to juggle in between all of this, I try to make everybody happy, I'm running on fumes, then I get back in my car, because I'm not fucking flying again, and I drive to Orlando to Reedy Creek, and I do that event, and uh, same story, I'm exhausted, I drive back seven hours last night, Um, I get home, I walk in the door, and boom, I got an electrical problem at the house, that I got to get sorted out on my farm. And then I'm in the car tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., going to Prince William County, Virginia, baby. What? Now, boom. All of that, having said that, that's not me complaining. That's me. Apparently, I look fucking tired right now. And that's why. So, there. I'm a tired-ass truck driver. Um, I want to address this electrical problem I'm having. And uh, I'm going to spin back on, a, on, a, on what we just talked about. So, when I get bored, I can't relax. And this is what... When I when I got back a couple a couple of days from being out in Missouri, I'm sitting here telling you how exhausted I am. Well, we had a rainstorm and horrible rainstorm. All I wanted to do was go out and, and and fuck around on my tractor, and I couldn't. So I was getting fidgety. I'm sitting on the porch watching it rain, and I felt I felt like I was not a productive human being. And I actually feel guilty for this. I feel guilty for wasting time that I have. And y'all know how I feel about making the most of the time that we have. The more I sat there, the guiltier I felt. And I was like, man, one day I'm not going to be able to do anything. I'll be dead and I don't get this time back. What can I do? What can I do? So you know what I did? I walk in the house with a hammer and I started blowing a wall out in the kitchen. And in my farmhouse, there's a wall between the kitchen and the dining room. Now, I didn't know if this fucker was load bearing or not. Didn't care because I know how to circumvent that problem. If it is load bearing, I've experienced that. Didn't give a shit. I just started ripping wall apart, started taking sheetrock off, started ripping electrical out of the wall. I did cabinets, got cabinets out, threw them out in the fucking yard. Um, so now this whole thing is completely wide open and I got about 17 different, um, electrical wires coming and hanging out of the ceilings and the walls and finally got all that patch back together and I'm good to go. So are you able to relax? Are you able to just 100% not do anything? I, I don't have that capability. I was on a call yesterday with a friend of mine and, uh, she goes, let me ask you something. Why, why are, why are you always a hundred miles an hour? And I said, because I don't, I have to plan ahead everything that I do. And she goes, well, I've learned that if you just focus on right now and don't worry about a couple of days ahead of you, that'll alleviate the stress. And I was like, I'm envious of your life. I really was. I don't, I don't have that luxury. See, the problem with me is my schedule is always changing at the drop of a hat. Something changes. Um, you, you got family, you got, you got to deal with, you got to make everybody in the world happy. Um, you got to make yourself happy. How do you find, how do you find happiness when you're so busy? I found that busy time is my happiness. Is that you? I don't think it's healthy. I honestly don't. I think what we do is we use busyness as an excuse because 
were boring and lame. I think I've become a boring, lame old man that doesn't want to do anything else. And so I just find busy work to keep me busy. And that supposedly keeps me happy. I had another friend ask me, well, when you get to go to these cool places, you were just at Disney. Did you go walk around? Did you go see anything? No, I didn't have fucking time. I don't have that luxury when I get to go to most places because I'm in and out. I literally went to dinner that night and uh, we had dinner and, and then I was gone. I, I mean, it was boom, you're in, you're out. Um, let's talk about some anxiety real quick because, you know, this thing that when you're when you're going through post-traumatic um, stress and all the other things that come with it, you know, anxiety is a big one and, uh, you never really, you're never really over it. It's a constant maintenance. So I don't want you to think that because you're in a better place, all of a sudden you got this thing licked and you're never going to have to address it again, because that's just not the case. At some point you're, you may have to address something and, and I don't want you to feel like a failure if, if it, if that happens, because I know for me, when I thought that I was 100% past everything and then all of a sudden things started happening again, I felt horrible. I felt like, man, what did I do? I dropped the ball. Uh, I'm a failure, but you're not, you're not because this thing is constant and it, and it comes in waves. And let me tell you what happened the other day when I was on one of my notorious long drives, I, uh, I was driving past my parents' house and I called my dad and I was like, Hey man, also, why don't you meet me at Cracker Barrel and, and we'll get breakfast. And so my dad was all about it. He met me for breakfast and, and we went to sit down and the waitress takes us in and sits us in the worst possible seat that she could sit us in. Now I'm already a very hypervigilant person. I do not like anything being to my back. Nothing. I don't like loud noises and I, I'd like to be able to see what's coming and going. Well, I try to not let my problems affect other people around me. My dad sat down first. He took the seat that I wanted to take. And the only one that was left was my back facing everything. My dad knows I have issues. We don't really talk about them a lot. And the reason is like you heard on one of the podcasts, we've skirted around it a lot and we've never really just sat down and just laid it out. And I think that's because of the, uh, the old school way that he is the old school way that I am. And there's just, I don't know, a little bit of bravado in there, but anyway, I tried to open up to my dad a little bit at breakfast and my dad's a non-confrontational guy. Now he's an older guy. He doesn't like that shit and I get it. I don't fucking want it either, but sometimes it just has to happen. So we're sitting there and there's a, um, a table of 40 people. There was a party of 40, if not 50, I can't remember. And they were all from, they were all from New Jersey. Not like that has any, that matters when they were on like this big trip. It was a big group of older folks from Jersey that came down and, and, and bless them for wanting to be down here with our nice weather and shit. I can't blame them, but it was so loud. We're sitting in cracker barrel. And what it was, was people were, were across talking across the table and it was so loud. Something inside of me started ticking and I felt that thing. And I felt that thing that I haven't felt in a while. And what it was, was a fucking bomb. And I knew it and I, I could associate with it. I knew like I wanted to flip a table over, like just something chemically inside of me was not well. And I look at my father where the old me, I would have just wrote it out. I would have stuck it out and I would have tried to just tough it out and not say anything. And two things would have happened. Either I one would have flipped the fuck out up in the middle of cracker barrel or two, I wouldn't have flipped out and I would have taken that with me and it would have ruined the rest of my day. And here's what I had coming. Now I had to go do um, a several hour drive down the interstate to Florida about five hours from there from where I was. And if I would have taken all that animosity and turmoil inside of my body and, and packaged that up and taken it on the road with me, there's no telling what could have happened. And I thought about it in that moment. I said, you know what, if I don't handle this right now, it's going to be a problem later. And I'm telling you right now, people address everything that's going on with yourself right fucking now, right at the point that you feel it. And you let people around, you know, they have to, this, there's no other way. You got to let them understand something's not right. You got to let them understand, look, I need out of this situation and right fucking now, not five minutes from now, not 10 minutes from now, because what's about to happen is going to affect our relationship. So this is what happened. I looked at my father and I've never done this. I looked at him and I said, dad, 
I said, right now, something's not good inside of me and I can't explain it to you. I don't know how to put it into words, but I need you to know that I'm on very uncomfortable right now with what's going on. And so my dad goes like this, he goes, Oh, come on, man. Just, we can just sit here. Don't make a scene. My dad was more worried about me making a scene. And I don't think he, it's not that he didn't give a fuck. It said it just wasn't, I don't think it was registering like how crucial this time was for me. Cause I'm telling you right now, I was about to lose my shit. And I go, dad, look, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get that table over there. And there was a section that was closed and he, and he was, again, he was like, nah, you don't, we can just, you want to sit in my seat. And I went, it was like, no. So the waitress comes over and I asked her, I said, ma'am, I said, I know that section's closed. And I said, I can't handle sitting right here. And can you please sit us over there? And she goes, yeah, come on. So she, she picked us up. We politely just grabbed our drinks and walked to the next table. And I'm going to tell you, this is how, this is how quickly this situation inside of me de-escalated. You want to know how quick it was? It was as soon as my ass hit that chair, it was gone. I was completely relieved. And now I had zero animosity inside of my body. The noise that they were making didn't bother me at all because it, my back wasn't to it. I wasn't in a, a vulnerable state that I couldn't control. Now I could see anything that was coming and I set myself up for success. And I want to tell you like how many times I haven't done that in the course of my life. And I've just tried to tolerate a situation that I knew I couldn't tolerate. And then the situation dictated the terms and the situation dictated my reaction. And the situation unfortunately made everything worse in my life and other people's life simply because I was too afraid to address it and too afraid to let other people know something was bothering me. And that's what I want to encourage you with today is when you feel like this, take the time to let people know you and they may not understand. They, I don't think that anybody will fully ever understand unless they they're going through what, what it is we go through. I can't, and you know, it's like you wish you could take the feelings that are inside of you and open somebody's chest cavity and say, look, I'm not trying to harm you, but I want you to see what this feels like. So, you know, I'm not fucking crazy. And if you put that inside of their chest cavity and let them feel that and see what that feels like for just fucking 30 seconds, I don't know that most people could handle that. I really don't. And so what happens is it's a, it's a stacking effect of anxiety. Cause I talk about stacking effects of trauma when in post-traumatic purpose, right? When you stack anxious moment on top of anxious moment on top of anxious moment, what the fuck do you think you're doing to yourself? You're, you're not allowing yourself to relax. So you got to take the time to address these things as soon as they come up and nip them in the bud. It's like a bully, right? When a bully comes up to you and starts to fuck with you, we all know this. How do you make them stop? You punch them right in the fucking throat. That's it. It's over. Done. You don't wait a week and come back to them. You do it instantly. The second somebody crosses the line with you in, in real life, I'm, I'm just talking about me because these are the backgrounds I come from. You step across the line with me, you know it right away. I don't give you an opportunity to get more from me. That's it. That's all you get, motherfucker. That's all. That like that's it. You're not going to be a habitual line stepper with me. And I'm going to let you know that. And it's the same thing when you're addressing anxiety and these things inside of you. You got to stop it right away. I'll tell you, man, I get all kinds of weird shit happens to me now like the, the the weirdest conversations I don't encourage it it just happens man and you know I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of really famous people this isn't me bragging this is me telling you like I it, it was really cool to be in the world that I was in for a long time and one thing I always noticed is most of them were really cool people like really cool but every time I meet somebody that has met somebody that is famous. You know what the first thing they tell me usually is? Oh, he was such a dick or she was such a dick and a fucking bitch and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I'm, I always take that with a grain of salt. I don't believe that's how people really are. I'm going to tell you from experience what I've seen. What I've seen is a lot of people cross the line and a lot of people don't understand um, that they're very invasive of people just because somebody's like uh, known or uh, relatively famous doesn't give you permission to just run up and be all up in their shit 
right? Um, I I don't know how to I don't know how to phrase this, but it's it it's crazy, man. People will fucking step across lines or try to, and they they just get really pushy. I, and I don't know. I've always respected boundaries with people, and I try to treat people um, with as much courtesy as absolute possible. I don't, I don't blindside people with, with shit. I don't try to come at you with a, with a, with a different agenda or a motive. And I guess I got an irritating phone call the other day. Somebody like, like, listen, this has really pissed me off. And, and, um, I think I handled it well because I am learning boundaries. And this is something that I talk about my therapist with problem is you try so hard to be there for so many people. And, when you allow that, some people just, they get very intrusive and, and, and they take your kindness for a weakness and it, and it can fuck your day up. So here's what happened. So long story short, uh, I get a message on Facebook the other day from somebody that I know, but I don't know. Right. This person is, um, married to a firefighter that I, I, I should say I know. All right. Um, I don't know their relationship status. I don't know any of that shit. I just know that she's married to this firefighter that I know. And I get a message from her. I've never met her in person ever. Not once. Never. If she walked by me today, I would not recognize her. I just know she was married to this guy that I know. Well, I get a message from her on Facebook and uh, it said, Hey, and so I stop what I'm doing because I try to address people. And I said, Hey, how are you? And the next thing I know, I'm getting a fucking phone call through the messenger app, right? That was, it was that fast. And I'm like, I'm in a position I was working. I didn't really feel like I'm trying to do my shit at this time. So I answered the phone and I was like, Hey, what's going on? And all of a sudden, um, she, she's like, I need to be inspired. I need, I need some motivation. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sitting there like, well, motherfucker, like, why are you just calling out of the blue with this? Like you could have like, like prepped me in like I was on retainer or something like a motivational retainer and I wasn't trying to be rude. So I was like, well, what's going on? And she starts talking and, and then I'll, I hear a guy in the background, right? So I go, Hey, is that so-and-so? And she goes, who? And I don't want to say his name, but I said, is that so-and-so? And she goes, no, that's my roommate. Me and so-and-so aren't together anymore. And so I said, oh, okay. And I didn't want to pry. And this is what she said to me. She goes, hey, my roommate really needs to talk to you and wants to talk to you. Will you talk to him? And just like that, I was fucking furious. And I'm like, wait a minute. You call me out of the fucking blue. I've never heard from you in my life. And all of a sudden, you want somebody I don't even know. I don't know anything about this dude. You want me to just talk to him in the middle of the day. Like I, and I said, you know what I mean? I set my boundaries. I said, no, I said it just like that. I said, no, I'm not talking to him. And I said, is that it? Is that, is that all you need to know? And she's like, yeah, like I'm the dick now. Right. I was like, all right, y'all have a good day. And then I thought about it. I was like, man, she probably thinks I'm a dick. And that's what I'm getting back to with the celebrity shit. It's so many people cross so many lines and they don't respect boundaries that these celebrities have to get short with people or they have to blow them off. And they're the dick. And I want you to think about that for a second. Like, I'm not saying any of you do that, but I, I, I thought it was interesting to, to like really take a step back. Cause normally I, I try to accommodate and I've realized that that's part of the exhaustion that I have is I never, I never get to stop helping, um, to the point where it exhausts me. And I've just, I don't know I've I've, I've met my fill with it and I'm tired of, boundaries being crossed. And, you know, there's been some other boundaries crossed recently where, like I said, in another episode, I'm not asking people about their trauma anymore. And people will come up to you and they will unload on you because of what you do. And they're like, look, this happened to me when I was 18 and when I was 12 and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm sitting here at the peach stand trying to, trying to pick out some peaches. And that you're talking about very personal shit that I didn't ask about. And right now is not the time you see my kids standing right here. You know what I mean? So you just got, I just like to say, think about 
when you do approach people with stuff, try to try to have some tact about it and try to be professional about it. Um, because you, you, you know what, you'd probably get a different reaction from people. And if you, you meet one of those celebrities at, at whatever time and I don't know, just running up and trying to get a damn selfie with them. I remember I pissed off Darius Rucker real bad one time because I did this and I felt like such a douchebag because this was never me, right? And I don't name drop, but this is a funny story because you guys heard my buddy Randy on the last uh, last episode. And me and Randy talked after that episode. We both listened to it and we both agreed he needed to shut his fucking mouth because he was stepping all over the conversation. But Randy was excited. Um, he was having fun. So I'm not going to bust his balls too badly. But if we do another one in the future... Uh, I will mute that motherfucker while I'm talking. Um, so there, boom. <laughs> so, um, Randy was busting my balls one time about Charleston and he goes, Charleston sucks. He goes, all y'all got is Darius Rucker. Right. And I was like, uh, dude, we got way more than Darius, but all right, whatever. So one day, um, I'm in Publix and the, the, uh, the grocery store Publix and who's standing right next to me, Darius. And I didn't even. I didn't even like say hey to him. I didn't, I, and I'd been around celebrities before, so this wasn't me. But the only reason I wanted to do this was to fuck with Randy. I just wanted to get a selfie with him when normally I would never do that. I would never ask a celebrity if I can get a picture with them. I just don't do that. And I turned around and I go, hey man, let me get a selfie. And he looked at me like, you fucking douchebag. I'm just trying to get groceries. And he didn't want to be a dick. But you could see it written all over his face. And that's what I'm talking about. I should have just let the guy be. He was in his element. He wants to be left alone. He just wants to be a normal human being. And so I send that to Randy. And uh, Randy's like, oh, fuck you, blah, 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 blah. That was funny, funny thing. I was talking with a um, with a law enforcement officer the other day. And they were telling me um, about a, a kid they know, uh, another cop, got in trouble or actually got terminated I think it was it was a mutual separation from his agency because he was seen in his marked police car off duty with his girlfriend and it te- probably he got permission and all this and it just I started busting out laughing. His police officer goes, "Why are you laughing at that?" and I said, "Man, there's no way I could be a cop." I said, "Let me tell you about some dumb shit I did one time when I was a police officer." And uh this is what happened. I was I was dating this girl. She was a um she was a fitness model and we worked out at the same gym and I was a cop. And one day I decided to go to the beach, but I was like, man, I want to impress her a little bit. So I took my cop car. <laughs> I'm wearing, I'm wearing beach shorts, flip flops and a tank top and glasses like sunglasses. And I pick her up. I mean, and she looks, she looks like a damn stripper all the time anyway, like can't get enough attention. And so here we go off to off to the beach looking like a surfer stole a police officer's car and threw a stripper from the nightclub in the car and off to the beach they went, right? Well, when we're done at the beach that day, I got sand all over me. I'm just looking like shit, sunburnt. She's sunburnt. We smell like damn, um, like, like, like beach sex because we got so much oil on us and shit. I'm sliding off the goddamn seats in my car because I got so much oil all over me and sex wax and all that, whatever. I'm, I'm talking shit now, but, um, well, what happened was we didn't make it home right like right away. I got stopped in another jurisdiction because there was a, a traffic accident in front of me and there were no police officers around. So for safety purposes, I thought me and stripper girl should help out. So I flip on my blue lights, middle of the road. I stopped traffic in all directions. I'm in board shorts, a tank top, sexed up from the head to the toe with, with like oil she gets out and it's looking like motherfuckers don't know if they should like stop and and get out and like start handing her money. You know what I mean? Like I'm telling like she she was legit looked like she was just like got off the stage. It was funny. And I'm out there directing traffic and I tell I don't say her name, but I told her I'm like, stop that car over there. Now she's stopping traffic. And I got you got this young police officer with uh, a, a stripper. Might as well have been a stripper directing four lanes of traffic at an intersection (laughs) people don't know what to do and we were just kids man like there's i couldn't imagine me being 44 right now and pulling up on some shit like that i wouldn't listen i would be like this is some kind of fucking prank this is some kind of joke who's this young 25 year old with this stripper girl out here stopping all these cars like did y'all really steal that police car well 
I didn't even get in trouble. Here's what happened. We got complained on because when the next jurisdiction uniform police officer pulled up, it was an older guy. And he asked me, he goes, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? I'm helping y'all out. And he goes like that. And he was pissed. I didn't take anything serious in life back then. That was before, before I was all fucked up. <laughs> um, and I was like, yeah, man. He goes, dude, y'all, y'all, y'all go ahead and go. And this motherfucker filed a complaint against me as he should have. Cause I was being highly unprofessional. Um, shouldn't have been using my, my cruiser for this. Well, I get to, I get to work that night cause I was on night shift and I go to, I go to, um, work that night and my sergeant is like Travis in the office and he goes, he said, this is words out of his mouth. He goes, why were you directing traffic with a stripper in a tank top today? And I was like, what? I was like, how did he figure this out? And he showed me the complaint. And he goes, dude, you can't be using your, your, your police car for that shit. And it was it. Then that night I went on patrol and we got some dope and we got some guns off the street and it was back to business. But what I'm getting at is I sure am glad that I, I, I did that job back during the good old days when you could still have a good time doing it. Um, I don't know why I like telling stories so much on here. Um, I think it's because I know I've done a lot of pretty fun stuff. And like me and Randy talked about. Man, if I swear if I could sit down and really tell y'all a lot of stuff, it, nobody believe it anyway. We've talked about that. I was like, man, I should write a book on this topic. And it's like, no. He's like, nobody would believe it because you just you just can't. And I hate that. Um I'll tell you something that's um that's really bothering me. And not to get political it's the gas prices and it's not the fact that the gas prices are going up. I'll tell you what's bothering me. What's bothering me is seeing all these people who can clearly afford the fucking gas prices. I don't understand it. I see these where I live down South. There's a lot of big trucks, right? And these big trucks aren't cheap anymore. They're 80 fucking grand for a new, um, four door vehicle. Some of them. And I see a lot of them, especially where I'm at in the farm area. And it's young kids too. Right. And I'm like, how much money does your daddy make to be able to afford all his shit and your bullshit? Because you'll see 17, 18-year-old kids. I saw a motherfucker the other day with an F-350, dollars $90,000 truck, if not more than that, pulling a easily $130,000 boat that had three 300s on the back of it. Like, And he was pulled up to the pump. He had diesel in one and he had marine gas in the other. I know his gas bill was $500. It had to be. And I'm just sitting there blown away. Like, how do all of these people afford all of this shit? And it took me back to my conversation with Randy. I know how they do it. It's credit. And there's so many people living on credit. And I could get going and going on them. There's so many people living outside of their means. It's ridiculous. And I think they're just running up credit cards and they don't care. There's no more responsibility in this world. And what we're doing right now, we're not teaching these young kids any kind of responsibility. There's no consequences for your actions. Just, yeah, just go out there, run up a bunch of credit cards and we'll see what happens at the end. Maybe we pay for some of it. Maybe we don't. Maybe we just go bankrupt or maybe just maybe we refinance our house with all that credit card debt into it anyway, and we'll pay for it over 30 fucking years, and then we're credit card debt free, and then we'll go get some new credit cards, and we'll do the same fucking thing again a couple years from now. Blows my mind. You know, I've I've been very, very responsible my entire life, and it's I could go out right now and get any truck I wanted, but I don't, you know, because I am responsible, and I got a family to think about, and it's it's just... I don't know. It's not envy because I don't, I don't envy people that live beyond their means. I, I just, it blows my mind of the, the lack of responsibility. I think a lot of people have these days. Um, you know, my dad was telling me to have a home when you were young. Um, you had to have 20% down back then to even buy a house. And if you didn't have that, you were just fucked. And I wish it would go back to that because I think that would force more people to buckle down and put their families in a better financial positions. Because I think, you know, you want to go out and spoil yourself. Case in point, I'm going to tell you, I had a guy come out here. um, I guess we're getting way off topic. And some of y'all probably already checked out, but fuck it. Um, I had a a contractor come out here one day to look at taking all these stumps out before I rented that big excavator to do it myself. And then I ended up doing that because you can't can't depend on people these days. 
he pulls out here in an F-350, brand new. Um, I know what these trucks cost. This thing was well over a hundred grand, but just by the kit that he had on it, he was pulling a big text trailer that was an easily probably an eight to ten thousand dollar trailer. And on that trailer, he had two Polaris side by sides. And I know what those cost. Those cost about fourteen grand because I got one sitting out here. Um, but he had two of them, so he had twenty eight thousand dollars worth of fucking Polaris's on his trailer. And we get out and we start talking. And you know what he tells me? He's like, yeah, man, I don't live too far from here, so this shouldn't be a problem. I rent right down, and I was like, wait, and this mother, he was my age. And I say, you rent where? And he told me, and he goes, yeah, man, I'm a great tenant, man. He goes, I've been I've been, um, been on there for 10 years, and I'm sitting there thinking, because you're talking to a former landlord, I used to have rental units. And I was like, fuck, I bet you are a great tenant, paying another man's bills and putting money in his pocket, because he was bragging that. The landlord lets him do whatever he wants. He's like, I got to cut some trees down. And it right then is when it hit me. I go, this is a 40 something year old man. And I try not to be judgmental, but he told me his whole story right there. He only cares about what he drives and he only cares about the toys he has. And he doesn't care where he lays his head. And I'm not saying he's wrong for that at all. I didn't know his family situation, but I do know this. If you have kids and you're doing that, you're a fucking dick. Because you're selling your kids short, not yourself. Fuck yourself. You're like you've already given up, but you're set, you're selling your children short, and you're teaching them a shitty shitty lesson. Because you should be able to go out buy your home and create some wealth for your family. I'm not saying you have to be the wealthiest motherfucker in the world, but at least build something up for your children to leave them versus leaving them a bunch of debt. Because if you got killed today, out on one of them. Polaris's or your F-350 exploded from your premium gas that you put in that son of a bitch, whatever. You're just going to leave your kids a bunch of debt. <laughs> Don't get me started. I think all this stemmed because of my conversation with Randy because we love talking about money and finances and business and trying to learn from not only our past mistakes but watching other people. Man, you can learn a lot by watching other people. Um, man, this is this 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 podcast is so off off course today. Um, I hope you're enjoying it. (laughs) I'm just sitting here in my blown out ass kitchen, um, having a good time because here's the deal. Honestly, I'm tired, but I'm inspired. And I, you know what? That's going to be the name of the damn episode today. I love how I just come up with that shit. Um, sometimes the episodes write themselves. This is why, uh, I love what I do. I love getting on the road as hard as it is. And I love meeting new faces and I love meeting, you know, firemen and cops and their spouses and emergency service workers. And this weekend I'm in Prince William County, uh, Virginia, Northern Virginia. And, uh, they say it always snows in Northern Virginia. If you know what I mean, I'm talking, that's a old cocaine joke right there. Um, people in Northern Virginia will get that during the summertime. It's even snowing in Northern Virginia. Um, that's an old comedy joke from back in the day. Um, anyway, I can't wait to go up there and see the brothers and sisters up in Prince William County. They got two two great events um, scheduled this week for um, Friday and Saturday night. Uh, they they tickets are for sale, but they're they're using that money for a good cause and they're giving it back um, to the community. So that's that's a that's a fantastic thing, man. Um, let me ask you something: Are you inspired by what you do? Do do you wake up every day and you think about how can I do more with what I'm doing and how can I make it even better and how can I um, um, sustain happiness with this because that's me I, I wake up every day and I'm thinking all right I got I got this course that I teach and I, and I do these keynote presentations and I'm like but what else what what's the missing link like what am I missing to make this even better than what it is and I can't, I haven't come up with that answer yet, but I'm always, I'm always looking for improvement and looking for ways to improve. And I think, um, as long as we're doing that, as long as you, you, you remain active and you try to find ways to better yourself, I think that's a very healthy thing. Um, but I also think it can be an extremely exhausting thing because there's obviously there's months that go by where I don't have an answer for that, but I still think about it every day. And then sometimes it'll just come to you. There's like, all right, it's one little tweak that I can do with my trade that that will make it more efficient and, and and better for not just me but for the people that that come out. Does your work inspire you? And if it doesn't, why why not? 
Um, I, I don't answer me right now, motherfucker. Cause don't, don't just shout it out in the car. Cause I can't hear you. Um, but ask yourself, why am I not inspired? And what, what made me start this line of work that I'm in? Cause there's some, a lot of people that listen to this podcast who aren't in the same lines of work that I was in. What is it that keeps you where you are? Is it that you're close to retirement? Is it a fear of leaving something secure and safe and, and normal, something that you know? I'm going to tell you, man, there's some excitement in the unknown. There's a lot of excitement in the unknown. And I think a lot of that excitement lies in the fear. And if we can learn to harness that, man, the growth, the growth is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, I can't t- sit here and tell you I'm not scared of anything and I'm not in fear of anything because I'd be lying. But the problem is when I feel myself getting that way, I'm drawn to it in a sense. Like I, I, I gotta, I gotta go take a little peek and, and see like what's so scary about it. And then I start thinking like, man, I've talked about this in another podcast. What if I do stay in the same situation? All right. You know, the outcome of that, but what if you don't, right? What if you don't and you, and you actually things, things become better and I'm not going to beat that dead horse, but I just want to, I just want to leave you with, with that question. Are you, are you inspired by what you do? And if you're not, how can you get that back? And my suggestion would be this. Ask yourself why you started what, whatever it is you do. Ask yourself why you started that. And, and then ask yourself this. Am I still doing it for that same exact reason? And there's your answer. If you're not doing it for the same exact reason that you started it, chances are you're not going to be inspired. So find a way, find a pathway, create a pathway, blaze a trail to getting back to doing it for the exact same reason that you started it. Having said that, y'all have a great week. Y'all go kick some ass. Try to inspire other people. I love y'all. Thank you.